Welcome to Interior Analysis. I'm Evan Westman. I'm Jelani Kelly. And today we're doing Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So this is the older one, the 1970-something one with Gene Wilder. And we're going to be talking about the original book by Roald Dahl also. So this is the first of a two-part thing. We're going to talk about the old version today, which I have seen before and Jelani has not until this week. And then next episode, we're going to talk about the remake with Johnny Depp, which I still have not seen as of recording this. And I grew up on. Yeah, so it's kind of a... I don't know what it, what's going to come out of it, but I think it I think it's going to be interesting. You're also coming into this knowing all three things, whereas I only know two, so that's also going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. My relationship to these two things is like, I really am more of a book person with this. Like, I read this book a ton as a kid. I don't know if we got it like in response to the new version coming out because and i'll mention this again when we do it i was not allowed to see the new version when it came out what yeah apparently my parents heard it was like really trippy and they shouldn't bring us to it and the original wasn't fair <laughs> um but <laughs> but you know they'd seen that so that like and they hadn't seen the new okay. one i know the rest of my siblings have seen the new one for some reason i, I guess i just wasn't there whenever they watched it um but i haven't mm-hmm. so i think i saw the movie before reading the book the and most of the reason for that i remembered this when i was watching it back this week i used to think when i was little that the kids became oompa loompas after they like screwed up oh which obviously doesn't happen but like the line in the song like you will live in happiness too i was like oh wait does that mean like now they're being assimilated into like the oompa loompa troop like that was where my mind went to um and then i was just like oh man like it just expanded out to like so that's how all the oompa loompas are there he just does this every few years and then like builds his slave labor force and stuff it obviously that's not what happens but i mean i wouldn't put it past him i wouldn't either but textually there is stuff there to refute that that was just what i thought as a kid so I, I think I saw the movie first, but I'm way more familiar with the book. Like, I think I read this at least 20 times as a kid. Like, I basically have it memorized. And I've only seen the movie. We rented it a couple times, I think. Last time I would have seen it, we had to read the book in fifth grade. And we watched the older movie with it. So I think that was the last time I saw it. We had an abridged audiobook of this read by Roald Dahl. We got like a four pack it had like and they they were it was all rolled doll books read by him it mm-hmm. was like an, an hour-long version of charlie and the chocolate factory hour-long version of james and the giant peach so they cut a lot of stuff out for both of those mm-hmm. and then fantastic mr fox in its entirety and then the magic finger and the enormous crocodile which are two like short really short stories by him but he was like one of my favorite authors as a kid i still like reading his books and this, I think, was the first one that I read of it. I still have, like, I have the copy next to me. is like, the same one. Miraculously, it's still in pretty good shape, even though it's, like, 15 years old. But, like, the only other book I probably read as much as this at that age was the first Harry Potter book. They were where it was at 
when I was like six and seven. So how familiar are you with Roald Dahl? Like, have you read any of the books? Have you, you've probably seen a couple of the adaptations of his books, I would think. But like, what have you, what do you know of him? So I looked up the list of his books beforehand. I didn't know Fantastic Mr. Fox was one of them. I didn't read any growing up, like personally. But I remember, I think Matilda was read to me in third grade by my third grade teacher. Uh, along with the series of unfortunate events, we were on. I remember specifically we were on book six, and then the class couldn't help but act up, and then he stopped reading to us, and that kind oh, of man. pissed me off. Yeah. Were they all out um, by then? Because they they stopped coming out in like I think the last one was oh no, six, right? I think they were, but I think we were like a few couple of books behind what was the newest one. But darn. Yeah. I remember doing and sorry side note, but I remember doing an entire like book project presentation where we had to go around to other people's classrooms and like advertise our own book but i did it on the seventh series of unfortunate event books the seventh one and i hadn't i was only like halfway through reading it i was presenting something i hadn't finished reading (laughs) yeah my youngest sister is reading those books now she just finished book seven we were watching the uh netflix episodes of it like a week ago oh man they're so that is like such a good adaptation like yeah talking of kids book adaptations t to the t bro but like all the added stuff too it's like it it's like exactly what an adaptation should be yep 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 i love the netflix i saw oh i have a i have a soft spot for the jim carrey version too hmm of the movie um that was only encompassed the first three books but that netflix adaptation was something something special mr poe is like perfect and the henchmen Uh, all the henchmen in that are so much better than they are in the books like they're maybe the best part of it but matilda i saw sorry roll doll uh i saw both the matilda movie i think i only saw that once the trunch bowl that Mm -hmm. lady was weird and uh wasn't Dane DeVito sorry, wasn't Dane DeVito her father in that movie? I think so. If not, it's someone like him. <laughs> Alright. And then I saw the James and the Giant Peach uh movie as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I didn't grow up reading raw doll books. Um, yeah, I think I've read most but not all. I think there's a couple of blind spots that I have, but I've read most of them. So mm-hmm. So the only one you've like been familiar with the book and movie with to any degree is matilda then yeah i remember nothing from either one besides danny devito for some reason but yeah pretty much that was the other so when i read this in fifth grade we did both of those actually we i think we did charlie and the chocolate factory first and then matilda as like a two book unit i guess Mm -hmm. i think they're two of his best i think some of his most popular yeah, I mean, James and the Giant Peach is probably up there, too. And, like, I've seen less of the adaptations, but, like, I feel like with all of his work, and we'll get into this a bit, but, like, just in general with his work, I feel like people have a really hard time capturing his vibe. Like, I think every mm. movie, every adaptation of his books has been done by a different person, and they all, like, don't quite get it. Mm-hmm. And some of them go way off the rails, like... Matilda, I feel like, is maybe the most faithful adaptation. And, like, and James and the Giant Peach, I feel like those two are pretty close Mm -hmm. in terms of content. 
But then, like, you get something like Fantastic Mr. Fox is, like, so far away from what that book is. Mm. Like, I think they cover the content of the book in, like, the first half hour, and then it just turns into a Wes Anderson movie. I feel like James and the Giant Peach might get the closest to, like, the vibe of reading a Roald Dahl book where it, like, goes into animation from live action. That kind of feels like it fits with his. And I'll be interested to see what they did with Tim Burton's version of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Because, like... Oh, it was Tim Burton? Yeah. I just called the Depp version. I didn't I didn't know Tim Burton directed it. Yeah, and it's... I don't think he's ever done any other Roald Dahl books. But, like, he's a director that I feel like kind of... Like, him and Wes Anderson, they both are kind of choices that make sense with mm-hmm. Roald Dahl's vibe, but still maybe aren't quite right. It's so specific. And, like, now when I see... Like, I think I watched the first, like, five minutes of the BFG adaptation that came out a few years ago, and I was like, nope, I, I can't watch the rest of this. Because I could just feel it going off the rails. And even, like, even that HBO Max release of The Witches from a couple months ago, like, I saw that... That looks... Yeah, I saw somebody review the original movie, and this version doesn't i don't know what it's supposed to be about but it just looks strange to me yeah i think it's um i think robert zemeckis is the director who i don't know i don't really know enough of him i've seen some of his stuff but he doesn't have like a consistent enough vibe to for me to say like i don't know if he fits with it or not but as soon as i saw the trailer i was like i just even if it turns out like decent i know it's just not gonna be the same as reading the book so like Mm -hmm. i I don't really want to see it, even though I like the people in it. Like, the three lead actors in it are all really good. But I just, I know that movie is probably not going to be great. But anyway, uh, back to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Did anything in the book surprise you? Or, like, anything notable you want to mention from the book? Because this was your first time reading it. Uh, no. Short answer, no. Uh, like I said, I imagine the Tim Burton... Tim Burton version while reading it pretty much the entire time there are a few things in the book that weren't in that version of the movie so let's get into the first topic we have which is changes from the book and we'll we'll get into your initial reactions with this too so first thing we're not going to cover all the changes because there's a bunch of little ones that aren't significant enough to list also like just to start off this section like roll doll apparently hated this movie which has not limited how like it's been accepted by people who do like the book i think but he was just intensely not here for it and like they wanted to make a sequel to it because there's a sequel book um charlie the the... elevator yeah which is like completely different some of the same characters but it's a completely different vibe like, they wanted to make a movie of that, I, I guess, as a sequel to this movie, like, in connection with it. But he was, he hated how they did it enough that he was like, no, you're not, you're not going to do that. So I, I don't mean that to, like, taint how we view this movie, but I just want that out there known for going into this. So what was the change from the book that you felt like was the most significant? The title. I was kidding about it being the biggest thing, but I've heard that 
this one, even though it's called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, focuses more on Charlie. And the Tim Burton one is called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and it focuses more on Willy Wonka. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't. I never understood that. It's like Greenland and Greenland and Iceland. Like, oh yeah. Mm. Biggest changes. I mean, they got rid both. I don't want to keep mentioning the Tim Burton one because you still haven't seen it. So this one gets rid of one parent for the the tour, which makes sense because you in the book, like, there's really no point to both parents being there other than showing that Charlie can't have both parents there because both of his parents uh need to, you know, survive. Yeah, that that was fine. Uh, it was a pretty big change, you know, rem- removing like a character completely even though they really didn't have identities in the book they were kind of just like oh this man is crazy oh save my child my child's gonna die what else uh the father is not here cool i guess i don't know why they needed to add the fact that grandpa joe smokes like why yeah i think that might have just been for like that one moment where they mentioned it and he's like i think it was just kind of for that scene to show like his relationship with charlie which is not a bad choice, mm-hmm. but it does change how you view the character. So, like, maybe that wasn't right. the best move. Like, if they wanted to, if that was all they were trying to show, like, there's probably a way you could do it without making, like, a decent size change to, like, who Grandpa Joe is right from the start. Right. And he was also like, yeah, but I quit tobacco on this, like... Well, you guys are being labeled as poor, so I, I, wouldn't you, like, have no choice but to quit tobacco? Like, because you can't keep buying something that... All right, whatever. But it's also that, like, Charlie is... I think in that scene, it comes off as almost Charlie enabling him. He's like, here, Grandpa Joe, go go buy tobacco with this. Uh, like, it's not like Grandpa Joe asks for it or gives him the money that he was going to spend on it. It's like Charlie gives it to him to spend on tobacco which is like mm-hmm. that just has a vibe to it that other ways you could bring it up wouldn't mm-hmm. school they didn't need to add that any of it yeah even though the teacher was pretty funny what else oh well let's just get into the biggest thing the songs well i don't like musicals mm. and i wasn't looking forward to the song since the very beginning yeah not yeah for me. and there's a lot of songs in it too right there's there's a lot I, I thought it would just be the Oompa Loompa songs once we got to the Oompa Loompas, but then for some reason they gave Veruca a song too. Like, mm-hmm. uh, okay. Just her. Only. Yeah, just no, her. No, no other kid. Not even Char. Well, he didn't get one in the factory. I don't know. I don't remember if he sang one before, but. He joins yeah. in on Grandpa Joe's song, but I think that's it. Nah. I'm, I'm good on that, homie. Yeah. I, I was. And. <sighs> I don't know if Roald Dahl didn't like that there were songs in it. I'm not huge on the fact that there's songs. Like, the only... In the book, there are songs. And there are other Roald Dahl books that have, like, kind of songs in them. Like, but they don't... They don't read, like, whole mm-hmm. musical numbers. They're just kind of, like, rhymes that go with it. Like, whenever I read them, I don't imagine a melody that goes with it. But in this, right. it's like... You've got the Candyman song. You've got the mom song, which I think is probably the worst scene in the movie. The, the mom song. Oh my god! Like, oh, maybe that was going. there because like Sound of Music was maybe still 
kind of uh, she trendy She was wearing thing. the dress. Yeah, they were kind of giving her a Julie Andrews vibe, but like, God, that song is like so slow. She doesn't have a half bad voice, but like, it, I just, don't care. No. I don't <laughs> the, care. The Golden Ticket song, that one almost hurts more. I think like more upbeat, but like, it, you really don't just care. don't care. We it. see it. We um, see it. Songs are supposed and musicals are supposed to progress the plot. It not progressed nothing. All right. Yeah, and and Grandpa Joe's skipping around and stuff like, and, and like That's emotionally, a, that makes sense. But like, he's also I mean, I don't know if it says it in the movie, but in the book, he's been in bed for twenty years, and it just uh, it that those musical numbers could work as a play, as a movie no. it comes off so different. No, we were 40 minutes. I wrote this note specifically 40 minutes in and Joe is singing. We ain't even in the factory yet. I was getting impatient with how long they were taken outside with all the stuff, they extra stuff they added. Why did Charlie have a job? I guess that's because they got rid of the father for some reason, but cool. And I'm going to try and be unbiased when I look at the amount of time it takes to get into the factory with the Tim Burton one as well, but... The entire time I was just thinking, there's so much singing and they're not in the factory. If y'all don't get your butts in the factory and start singing there instead, yeah. Yeah, and in the factory, there's only... Well, there's there's actually more songs there because you have all the Oompa Loompa ones, which are like just straight it's up music five. videos also. No, four. <laughs> yeah, and those are quick. So Like, they don't, mm-hmm. they don't drag out as long as the others. Right, I like that. I like that. I, I don't care for the songs, but I like that they're... Quick, short, to the point, you get it. The kid's dead. Move on. Mm-hmm. Well, well, we'll get into whether they're actually dead or not. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah. But they're also completely, like, the Oompa Loompa songs are completely different from in the books. They're, oh, they're yeah. shorter, for one thing. The ones in the books are pretty long. Mm-hmm. There was one that was, like, three pages long. Yeah. And they, they do, they have more in uh, the sequel book. Mm. I won't go into the context, partly because I don't, totally remember it but like they have a couple more oompa loompa songs in the sequel book Mm -hmm. they're completely different lyrically but they they do kind of have the same vibe except they feel more like death songs in the movie in the book it's just Mm. like oh well we like this kid screwed up look at his vice um but -hmm. then in the book it's like it feels like seven it's like your sin is greed Mm. you (laughs) so you die by greed And, like, there's just more of, like, a sense of doom about it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have the Pure Imagination song that everyone knows. I think it's probably the best song in it. And uh, I think you mentioned earlier Veruca's song, which... No. Why, no. like... I, I don't no. think it's the worst one. What I would guess maybe happened is they cast someone who... What like she right. probably Who had like a trying. musical theater background, and they were like, "Okay, this is a mm-hmm. musical. You can do a song. Let's go mm-hmm. for it." Also, they made another change. They made the the squirrels geese. Uh, my mm-hmm. guess was they geese were easier to manage than squirrels because it was a hundred squirrels in the in the book. Uh, I'm guessing geese were easier, to... and they still got the message yeah. across. Bad nut, bad egg, same thing. It's fine. Right. And it's also like the the geese don't have to do anything in that scene, whereas the way it plays right. out in the book, the squirrels push them into the garbage chute, which right. I don't want to know what they would have done for that. Like, 
with 1970s VFX, that would have looked hella creepy. So, like, I'm glad they didn't do that. Shoutouts to the freaking set people for this movie. For 1971, this this set design is clean. Yeah. Like, that, that machine that made the gum, like, with the food thing that was rotating and they were, they were levers and stuff, like, that was awesome. For, like I said, it's 1971, so I'm giving it props for that. Like, nice. Yeah, the chocolate um, room, too, looks gorgeous. Like, right, that is, right. That when is they exactly, like, when I read the book... I tend to envision things very differently from mm-hmm. the movie, except for that, like the chocolate room with the waterfall and everything. Like when I read the book, I'm basically imagining that room. Like they got that spot on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean the, the inventing room is, I think is probably a close second with the mm-hmm. gum machine. And they also like, um, <laughs> they had some visual guides to go off of in the book because quentin Uh, blake has his illustrations i think there's other versions but quentin blake does illustrations for basically all of roald dahl's books and i I wanted to make sure when you because you ordered the book and i wanted to make sure you got one that was quentin blake's illustrations Mm -hmm. because i feel like that's part of the experience of reading it is having that there i verbally laughed out loud when he put the sneakers into the one of the vats and Uh, yeah a little kick what else the tunnel scene can we talk about that for a second mm-hmm. like, doesn't that scene give some kids nightmares when they saw it or it did i have heard reports personally like, i never it never bothered me the scenes that scared me as a kid were veruca's song and um what? well it was it's kind of a one-two punch because the two that freaked me out as a kid were the levitating fizzy drink scene with the fan, that was scary. Evan. I don't know what it is about the Veruca Salt song. I think it really is the one moment at the very end when she falls into the thing and continues singing. Something about uh, that was like, ooh. Like, watching it now, I was, like, fine. But I remember those two scenes freaking me out a little as a kid. But the tunnel scene, I, I never minded that much. I don't remember being scared of that at all. People said that was, like, a bad acid trip. I... I've never taken acid, so I wouldn't know, but I would imagine that's probably close to it. Yeah, th- I mean, that seems to be where it's probably drawing inspiration from. And he started screaming. He went from singing to screaming at the end of the... It's like, no no way of knowing where we're going. Like, what? Yo, and then there's, like, what? the images where, like, they've got the, the like, centipede right. there crawl was a on millipede the dude's crawl, face. Yeah, I forgot about that. But, yeah. The red flashing and the his eyes just growing larger and larger. Like, bro, what? Yeah, they're like going straight up horror movie vibes there. And that's why people can see him as a serial killer. Yes. Um, <laughs> but that's... We'll, we'll get into that. And the fan, Evan, I don't think that fan would have killed them. They they could clearly stop at the top. They, they both touched the metal. You saw them both touch the metal contraption holding the fan. Like, they both touched the beam underneath the fan. Yeah, but as a five-year-old, spinning that, that kind of freaked me out. The fan wasn't even spinning that fast. It was just, like, a freaking room fan or something. That was, like, a room fan on medium. That That's, that's what... That's how fast this fan was spinning. <laughs> I don't see it now, but as a five-year-old, I did. So, I don't yeah, know. yeah. Well, yeah, 
you, you get a pass for being, you know, a child. Oh, the stop, don't come back make, made me laugh verbally yeah. as well. That was, stop, don't come back. <laughs> yeah. He's, he had that, no cares, bro. Yeah, with, with Mike TV, she's like, oh, do something. Help, murder, police. Oh, like, that was with Augustus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he says like, something help, like that for police, both. police, murder. <laughs> yeah, and that, like, and um, it's so different from the book, too, because... In the book, he is, like, every time one of the kids is stepping out of line, he's freaking out about it. Yeah. And, like, yelling and jumping around. And then mm-hmm. Gene Wilder comes in, could not care less. Like, it's nope. it's a completely different vibe. <laughs> and that really, that actually ties in. I, I marked the time. One hour, nine minutes, five seconds, and that's this the meme face. The meme face. Yes. 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 Tell me more about how your child is being murdered. Here you're a big fan uh, of uh, Taylor Swift. Tell me more. Or wait, no. That's not how they usually go. Oh, I don't know what I'm trying to do. But everyone knows that meme. Yes. What else? Oh, yeah. Why did... Charlie was... I didn't like this Charlie. Charlie was a jerk. Uh, why did he trick them into thinking he had the ch- t- the ticket? Like, that wasn't necessary or nice. I didn't know who the creep was with the scar that no one seemed to notice. Every time some child got a ticket, he was just whispered to the child's ear and the parents didn't seem to care. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that was kind of the point. The parents didn't care. You saw it at the end, right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. That was just an initial thought. Uh, I said there was too much time spent on stuff at the beginning, like the computer guy, even though that was that was kind of funny, where the computer said it's not telling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll be cheating. Oh, yeah, it's... It wasn't even cold where he lives. Like, I feel like that was a pretty important part of the story, too. Mm -hmm. No. Like, it was summertime. Like, it had just... It was was like fall, because they said October. Yeah. Everybody was just chilling, no coats, no nothing. Like, what? Okay. I said I liked the sadistic nature and cynicism of this Wonka. It was... I really liked that change. And that's pretty much it. So I I had a few other changes I want to talk about, too. Um, we already mentioned it, but like the difference in performance with Willy Wonka, like they feel like completely different characters mm-hmm. from book to movie. You lose. Good day, sir. Yeah. And like you can you can tell he's drawing inspiration from the book. You know, Gene Wilder comes off so much creepier. Like there's no creepiness about the mm-hmm. the book Willy Wonka. He's just excited about everything. He's a creator. He's just having fun the whole time. Oh yeah, neither version have has beards either. Just so you know. Even though oh yeah. A beard. Yeah, because in the book he's got a goatee. Yeah, I've seen the pictures with Johnny Depp. So yeah, I I think that that helps separate them for me too. I think having the visual in the book with Quentin Blake's drawing, like he looks very different from mm-hmm. both of them. And, you know, they've got the same outfit. They've got the purple coattails and stuff. Yeah. But they, yeah, the hat and the cane. But they do, they feel like different people. I I hadn't thought of what you said about it being cold. But yeah, I think that is kind of an important thing because it Mm kind of, I almost want to say it raises the stakes in the books because it's like getting, you know, it's it's February in the books when when they Mm -hmm. go in and it's like, you know, I mean, we're in it right now. It's like the coldest, worst part of winter. So... The fact that he's living in, and it, it mentions it a decent amount in the book, that it's like, you know, most of us this time of year are okay with, with it being cold, 
when you're living in conditions like him, it freaking sucks. Right. You've got, like, they they had to, like, board up the house even more. The house in the movie is also, like, nicer than I feel like they make it out to be in the book. Yo, they, he, at the end when they were in the, the elevator and flying over the town, they were like, we can see our house from here. Our house is right there. And I'm like, where? All yeah. these buildings look the exact same. Yeah, I don't know if we ever got an exterior shot of their shack either in the movie. Like, maybe if I pause, I didn't pause it, so that could be on me, but, like, all I saw was orange rooftops. Yeah, same. I, I bet you it's not there, because I think if it were, they would have made it stand out. I think right. that might have been a budget production kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, <laughs> those shots at the end with the great glass elevator look so dated like you can almost mm. see the string pulling the little miniature right which you know it's it's the 70s so you know no no shade but it it looks dated i think it's impressive that that's one of the only dated looking shots in the movie like the rest of it looks pretty solid oh they added the walkmobile and like you said in your notes i don't know if like they mike didn't get to choose the last room yeah like, they, they didn't get in the elevator until the end when Mike wasn't there, even though he's there in the book. That was a change I was looking for because I, you know, I remembered that from the book, obviously. And I was like, wait, do they do that in the movie? Because it'd been such a long time since I'd seen it. And I think it, it mm-hmm. really does change it because, like, I was tracking when I was reading the book because, um, you know, we've been talking already about how, like, Gene Wilder comes off as a, a serial killer. And I, I had that in my head going into rereading the book because I, I always hear people being like, oh, it's Willy Wonka's Murder Factory. I'm like, is it though? And reading the book, you mm-hmm. don't get that vibe. And I was tracking it. I was like, no, okay, no, no. like maybe he's going in, maybe he's like tempting all of these kids specifically. But then we get to, and, and I'll get into it more later because I think there's even some evidence in the book of that. But right after Veruca Salt goes down the garbage chute with her parents, Mike TV asks to find the elevator like if they can stop walking unprompted mm-hmm. mr wonka says all right we'll take the elevator they take the elevator mike tv asks to find the tv room and they go mm-hmm. to it it was not planned mm-hmm. whereas so and it doesn't make a big deal out of it in the movie but in the movie that's the next room in line after veruca salts so right. that really makes it feel much more like the way it is in the movie. He's got all five rooms lined up for each kid. He's got the chocolate room. All right. Boom. Augustus Gloop. Inventing room. Boom. Violet Beauregard. Fizzy mm-hmm. chocolate or fizzy lifting drink room. Apparently that's for Charlie. Or I mean, at the very it, least. It wasn't even him. in that moment. It wasn't even Charlie that decided to do that. His grandpa was like, yo, Charlie, uh, let's let's ship some of this real quick yeah and, yeah we're gonna talk about that scene too keep, keep yeah. going with your point but yeah like it wasn't charlie's decision to do that but wonka was like you lose good day sir i'm like yo relax he that was his grandfather blame the blame him well like you said the the thing was supposed to be like it goes two ways don't spoil your kids and, you know, don't be greedy listening to your parents or, or something like that. And he listened to his grandfather in that moment and they almost, quote unquote, died. Yeah. I mean, in that scene, he al- Willy Wonka also doesn't stick around like everyone else. They watch it. And that's also because that scene's not in the book. So they don't like it was an extraneous right. thing. And they're screaming, too. They're like, yo, Wonka, yo, this fan's looking kind of close, bro. 
Yeah, but and... but Willy Wonka in that scene just leaves them behind. Like they're just he's right. just like, well, we don't really have to stop by here, and then walks through, doesn't give a second glance when they are in the next room. He's just like, mm, mm-hmm. okay, like he doesn't even acknowledge them when they come back in. Right until the end, and I'm like, wait, you didn't see them do that? How? Okay. Yeah, Magic man. So on the whole, like in the movie, it just feels so much more planned that like all these kids are going to screw up. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a big change. The second to last one I'm going to talk about. Uh, actually, no, there's three more. One is the fake out with the last ticket. That's a bit of a change because they mm-hmm. they have the guy who they're like, oh, he found the last one. And then as Charlie gets his, they're like, oh, no, it's a fake. And they like, it, it has How a... did nobody in the world find out that like beforehand that that guy was faking because he was clearly not a child like the rest of them had found? But okay. Yeah. I don't know that you're meant to fall for it exactly when you're watching the movie. But mm-hmm. but that's a, that's a change from the book because, you know, they actually, they have a really quick moment in the book. They're like, somebody made a fake golden ticket, but it got discovered. It's like two lines. And I think it's right. in between like some of the middle tickets. It's like between two and three. So it doesn't have the same effect. Whereas in the movie, they like, they show Charlie's disappointment when he hears the last golden tickets found. I kind of liked that, like showing how invested he is in this search. I mean, we knew it was going to happen though, because it's not called Charlie and the lower class poverty. Like it's Charlie and the chocolate. So we know he's going to find the golden game. Charlie, the kid who almost got to go on a tour of the, right. <laughs> of the chocolate factory. And the, book ends, next to. Uh, the book ends uh, with him. I don't know, going to bed or something like a normal <laughs> yeah. night. I got school tomorrow morning book ends the sequel is him going to school i don't <laughs> like <laughs> charlie and the fourth grade class yeah and, and we'll get into that the fact that we know about it but like just in terms of that change i do kind of like the effect that it has and mm-hmm. it kind of lets you feel his investment in it a little bit more second to last one there's the test with slugworth and the everlasting gobstoppers that was different that guy was creepy yeah that- he kept grabbing every child he was talking to and getting real. That made me really uncomfortable. Same. Yes. <laughs> um, and the scar on his face didn't help. I, I guess that was kind of the point. But like, nah, bro. Nah. Yeah. There's one moment with him, though. Um, I think it's when he's interviewing Mike TV. He's like with the interviewers. Um, and he, oh, and he's just moving the mic back. The and way forth? he moves the mic with like that twist—I <laughs> forgot about that. I cracked him so hard with that. Happy, he's like, <laughs> and he looks—he looks, he looks so bored. He's <laughs> not he, even like, trying. Whole... Also, like, as as like someone who's worked, like I do so much sound editing with this podcast. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, like that's gonna sound so awful when you get to when you like mm-hmm. play it back. Like that's that's gonna sound awful. With the air moving past it, it kind of triggered my editor. Flinging brain it back a and bit. forth, like, all right, you're talking. All right, you're done talking. Just go over here, I guess. Yeah, but in terms of like that whole subplot with Slugworth, I think it's done to good effect. It sort of makes Charlie's win feel a little bit more earned because he he makes somewhat of a choice at the end when he gives him when he gives back the Gobstopper instead of giving it to Slugworth. And I, I, like, vaguely remembered that that subplot was in there, but I didn't remember the exact details. 
I like the construction of it. Like, it's a real sacrifice for him. Slugworth is apparently going to hook him up with, like, $10,000 or whatever, which in 1970s money is not half bad. I mean, I'd take $10,000 He said they could now. eat for the rest of their life. I, I don't know about that. And maybe, I don't know, 71, I don't know what the inflation thing was back then, but they'd eat good for a while. Yeah, it's, I mean, I wouldn't turn my nose up at $10,000 in any time period to present. Or a candy. Yeah. Right. $10,000 sounds pretty nice. Yeah, it's it's still a sacrifice for him. I I liked that moment. Oh, shoot. Yeah, wait, real quick. I, I probably, like, if I was in Charlie's position, I would have probably just given him the gobs, given Slugworth the gobstopper. I think that's probably why I wouldn't have gotten the factory. Like, out of spite. Oh, you going to yell at me? Okay, word. Uh, Slugworth, you said, so how much for this little thing? All right. Yeah, also, well, and... In a way, like, I, I wouldn't blame you for that because Willy Wonka doesn't hold up his end of the deal. Like, he promised right. to give all of them that. That was, and in the, in the book, they all get it. Like, all the bad kids mm-hmm. get their chocolate at the end. Mm-hmm. Despite everything else that happens, they get what they were promised. So, oh, that was hilarious, too. He said, <laughs> he was saying a bunch of just words, and he was like, it's right there, clear it's as day. I was like, <laughs> right, <laughs> et cetera. It's right there, Claire's. I'm like, you didn't say anything, but I believe him because he's yelling at me. <laughs> That's what happens when you don't read the terms and agreements. Right. Oh, um, other, I forgot about this. This is a huge moment that I that they leave out from the book. At the end of the book, you see all four kids coming out of the factory. Oh, yeah. Changed, but relatively unharmed. You yes. don't get that moment in the movie, which makes it feel mm-hmm. way more like they die in the factory. Augustus drowned. Violet got popped, and all the juices came out of her, including her uh, insides. And then, what else? Veruca was lit Just on fire. burned up in the garbage suit. Yep. Yeah. And then Mike uh, probably got squashed by something. Yeah, maybe not that day, but somewhere down the line. Taken by, like, a bird or something maybe yeah but that moment like i i wasn't sure if they kept it in the movie i didn't remember i'll be curious to see if they put it in the new version don't tell me if they do no no it just changes the vibe so much because the, right. even in the book there's like some tension he's like oh i hope they turn out okay like they probably will but we don't know and then we find out that yes they are basically they are okay, okay. <laughs> they don't and they still go home die. with the candy yeah. This man's didn't give a a darn about giving them the candy or their lives. Yeah. To bring it back to what you were saying before, I would not blame you for bringing it back to Slugworth. He screwed you he over. Was, he was going, yeah, and he was about to let me and my grandfather die because we sipped some of his stupid bubble stuff. Mm-hmm. After probably having not eaten breakfast that day. Right, right. You got to forget, like, well, you... I've, he's, it's explained in the book that he's super hungry. I didn't get that here. Right. Like, they, they in the book, it's also described, like, they, they've they had to cut down at some point because the father mm-hmm. lost his job and he had to use shoveling snow for pennies. Another reason why it was important it was cold. Yeah. But he probably ain't even eat that day. And he's like, yo, all right, grandfather's saying I should take this. Take some of this, you know, I'm not, my stomach's kind of empty, you know, because, you know, I'm a poor kid, so I'm going to take some of this. 
oh, we almost died, and now you're yelling at me, and now I don't get none of the chocolate. Okay, yeah, this spy can have all of this, and I'm about to get paid off of it. You're welcome. Yeah. And, like, uh, I think, you know, the way the movie ends thematically, it's still, like, I don't mind where it ends thematically, but also I I kind of wouldn't blame Charlie for doing that. It is underhanded. I mean, in his position, right? I wouldn't blame him. There's also sort of connected to that there's a this is a little moment in the book it's really the only moment between charlie and willy wonka aside from like them meeting at the gate and then at the end there's one little moment when they first get on the boat on the chocolate river where he like scoops up a bucket full of the chocolate too and he's like oh man you guys are like you don't look like you've eaten much it's like kind of a nice yeah. little moment with him and grandpa joe's like yeah we haven't and it's it's like one of the only moments in the book where he kind of like he, he's not like singling out or playing favorites with charlie but he's just kind of like having a quick little one-on-one with them mm-hmm. i kind of like that moment in the book i think it's fine they cut it but yeah. that's kind of their only interaction and it's it's sort of connected with that wait they, they cut it in the movie i don't remember yeah they don't have that scene in the movie because in okay. in the book they like all scoop it up um like scoop mm-hmm. up the chocolate from the river and drink some of it so the last change and we, we've talked about this scene a bit but i want to dig into it more the levitating soda scene this has always bothered me because it's not in the book obviously but it's also the one moment where charlie is disobedient or like kind of goes outside the rules so what i like about it being included in the movie is it is a moment where he's tempted which Mm -hmm. is not present in the book and one thing that i thought of reading the book even as a kid was like well hold up because because the way it ends in the book is just like oh charlie's the only one left well i I guess you win then you you stuck around this long so here you go you're you're gonna be the new me so i was i kind of was thinking like well wait what if they just like hadn't gotten to his room yet where he would have been tempted Mm mm-hmm because there's no moment like that in the book where it's like, oh, wow, I really want to go eat this thing or go touch this thing. He never has any of that. So I, in, in that sense, I like that this moment is there. But what I don't like is that he falls prey to it because mm. then he's kind of on the same level as everyone else. He's not as right. much of a jerk as the other kids still, but he's just as like corruptible i guess as Mm -hmm. them he just kind of gets off lucky from grandpa joe discovering that they can burp to get themselves down which is not really something that puts him in like a higher moral position the way it is in the book what do you think of that moment because it's a i feel like it's the most significant change from the book i feel like it built tension for that last scene in the movie where he's shouting Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's necessary. Like, maybe they could have... Like, he could have been tempted, but just turned away from it. That could have shown a difference right then and there. I mean, he was clearly different from the beginning. I mean, I don't agree with Wonka's decision when he found out that they had sipped it. Like, and then, you know, also leaving them there to quote-unquote die. As far as the difference between the two, I don't know. I, I guess it's fine for this movie. Do you make it? Do you think it makes it feel like Charlie doesn't deserve to win the factory at the end? No. Less deserving for sure, though. 
But do you think he still deserves it at the end, despite that? Compared to the other kids, yes. Oh, yes. yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm not disputing that at all. But I, I'm, I'm not saying, like, you, you need to have a definitive answer. I don't really know what my answer is. But mm. that moment calls that into question, like, whether he deserves it or not. No, I don't think he's less deserving because he took the sip there. Like I said, like, because of all the reasons we listed before, like, them not eating that mm-hmm. a huge that's a huge thing that i didn't even consider when i saw that like oh yeah they i forgot they they're probably starving they're most likely yeah no he's not less deserving yeah i mean i'm a little ambivalent on it like i think he's i think he's certainly less deserving of it and i would be disappointed in him if i were in Willy wonka's position here's another thing they maybe could have done with it like I do kind of like the idea that he redeems himself at the end with giving him the gobstopper, but I also feel like maybe there was a better thing that could have, like, had him make up for his actions. You know, like, apologizing? None of the other kids did right, that. Right, maybe he owned up to it. Right. Maybe, like, a, you know what would could have been a cool moment is, like, Willy Wonka's like, hey, you win, you're the last one, and he goes, but I did this yeah like or so i don't deserve it yeah if willy wonka already knew something like that if he already knew and charlie fessed up in the end was like yeah i already knew that you're good i think you you know what i i see that i think maybe a version i would personally like better is willy wonka doesn't know charlie tells him and he's like i don't care because you were honest and you told me Mm. that's who i want running this factory someone who can learn from their mistakes, something like that. I think that could have, like, been a really good redeeming moment for Mm -hmm. them. Instead of, like... And, you know, the moment they have in the movie is is okay. Like, Willy Wonka flips out, and then Charlie gives him back the gobstopper in, like, a moment of contrition, and that wins it back. I think there's a better one out there. Mm -hmm. Basically, what I was just saying. But, like, that moment with with the fizzy lifting drinks as it always bothered me. So the next one I want to get into, this is kind of glomming together the book and the movie. I wanted to talk about Charlie as a passive hero because, you know, he doesn't do a whole lot. And it still kind of works, but I want to, like, do you think it's a problem that he's passive, even if it still works? Like, do you think it maybe would have been better if he was active? Part of me, my answer is kind of like, Maybe yes, but then again, I also don't know what the story would be mm-hmm. if he was active. From a screenplay point of view, yes, because your character, structurally, your character, the main character is supposed to make decisions that lead into act after act. For this movie, no. Like, the whole point was for Wonka to give them a tour on the surface. And I, I think he's the type where kids watching can put themselves in the place of him because he's so passive. Forget, I forget the yeah. word for this. Mm. It's like... Uh, it's it, it's kind of like an everyman character. Yeah. I feel like there is a word... There's another one, sort of, though. Um, like it's They kind of do it with like, video scary. game characters, too. Right. It's like someone you... It's just kind of this blank slate you can like yeah. project onto. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it was fine for, for this. 
Yeah, I think it works better in the book too because like as a reader you you are kind of like you're imagining it so you can kind of see it through Charlie's eyes a little more. So having him be that sort of blank slate not really doing much mm-hmm. like it makes him feel less distinctive but it also makes you I don't want to say identify more with him, but you you kind of have his point of view mm-hmm. a little more. In the book I think it works. It does translate not quite as well to the movie and yeah i completely agree with what you were saying like for a screenplay you really want your character to be active and that's that's still good to have in a book for sure like it's Mm -hmm. it's not any less important but in a book you can also get away with not being like having a passive protagonist who's just kind of along for the ride it still works like he's still generally a good kid the whole time and i think part of it too is that he's you know all the other kids are going in there like what what can i get like what am i getting out of this Mm -hmm. and he's just kind of happy to be there like he's grateful that he's getting this opportunity whereas all of them are coming in with like greed in mind Mm -hmm. so it sets him apart like that we learn about him by contrast through them like in some ways it's maybe not the greatest thing that we pretty much have a better sense of all the other four kids than we do charlie at the end but we also learn about him by contrast so so it does something yeah one thing i i wanted to bring up too because there is such a thing as what's called a flat arc character which is a term i only learned pretty recently it's like a kind of character who doesn't change they don't like have a traditional arc but the world around them changes and charlie like has elements of that but he's not because he's he's so passive he's not actually changing the world around him like all the other characters basically have arcs in the story which is kind of what happens with a flat arc kind of character mm-hmm. some good examples of a flat arc characters like captain america is a good flat arc character jesus also is i don't like <laughs> know if you, we want to count him as a fictional character exactly but like in any rendition of like the Jesus story, he is a perfect flat art character where like he is not changing the world around him is. So Charlie's not changing, but he's also not changing the world around him. So I don't think it's fair to call him a flat arc protagonist. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that works okay in the book, but it does it doesn't translate perfectly and it makes him feel less specific. I mean some other stuff with him, we do get a little like he's doing I don't really want to say he's doing things that feels a little bit generous like in the first half of the book and the movie but we see him like existing a little more before we get into the factory like we're kind of with him when he's hearing all the stories about Willy Wonka we get to hear his take a little bit on like when all the other kids get the golden tickets he's also not condescending toward them which I think is a big thing that helps Mm mm-hmm like get you on board with him like even when the rest of his family are like oh god like kids these days when they hear all the other stories he's like he he sort of agrees but he's not piling on mm-hmm. like he's not judgmental which i think is really good for the book yeah and we get we get some access to him we we see his like day to day and how he's like poor and he has hope through this through the myth of the chocolate factory. So I, I think that like helps give us access to him. I, I don't really know if the, I'm like building to a point with this, but it's just, 
it's an interesting character construction that's like kind of non-traditional one of the last things that i think makes it work is that like when we get into the factory he's not doing anything but there's still a lot of stuff happening we're entertained so that helps also my, my last point with this like it's it reminded me a bit of the first harry potter book because you have like you have similar circumstances there where like harry isn't doing like a whole lot in like in terms of being active he's like kind of got a miserable home life and then he gets he gets this opportunity to go to hogwarts so it's like it's pretty similar it's like through no actions of his own he's given this chance to go to this like amazing world that's so much better than the life that he's had up to this point but the difference is once he gets to hogwarts in that book he's like he becomes active once he gets there and he's even actually disobedient so it's not it's very much not trying to do the same thing as it is with charlie in this so i, I just thought that was an interesting comparison that i i feel like i picked up on a little bit as a kid did you have anything you wanted to add with that like how it changes the story or like what it lends to the story that he's kind of a passive hero no not really okay so if we're done with that we can get into the last topic which is the message of the book and the movie which i kind of different from each other didn't really put that in my notes but in thinking about it i, I think they're not really saying the same thing but in the book there's kind of a two-part message like one for adults one for kids the message for kids is just like don't be greedy or you'll die things will happen <laughs> um and the parental message is like don't spoil your kids love them but don't spoil them because we do see like and this is kind of a rarity in kids books and even in roll doll books specifically like charlie's family is like very good to him he's not like cared for financially but like he's cared for in like a family sense mm -hmm. and that's that's not true of i think almost any other roll doll character to that degree like matilda's parents are awful to her james from james of the giant peach his parents aren't in the picture and his guardians are awful to him mm -hmm. the kid in the witches who doesn't have a name for some reason his parents are dead but his grandmother is like taking care of him but and she's like a good guardian sophie's an orphan from the bfg so like this is kind of like the character like the child character with the biggest or like most family dynamic mm -hmm. out of any of his characters which is interesting it's also kind of an anomaly among kids book characters in general like yes most of them are orphans of some kind and he's not i mean in the movie we don't know where his dad is but in the book yes. yeah it's it's not really clear i i don't know if they mention it but like it's not clear if he's like dead or just not in the picture for some reason but he's not there mm -hmm. it's not really a big change from the book because his dad doesn't have a whole lot to do in the book but like it is a significant choice that they change that like it, it does kind of change how you're supposed to view him i think even with that change, like, Grandpa Joe feels, in both versions, feels more like a father figure to him. Like, you still very much get the sense in both that he's cared for by, like, parental figures. It feels to me, reading this, like, Roald Dahl is kind of taking revenge on, like, the bad kids and the bad parents in the book. Which is maybe part of where, like, the serial killer Willy Wonka that Gene Wilder does, that might be kind of part of where that comes from. Mm -hmm. But, like, he does that in other books, too. Like, Matilda 
the first chapter of that book is basically Roald Dahl just going off about, like, how he would just give, like, the sickest burns to all the kids in his class if he were a school teacher, like, all the kids that he hated. Mm -hmm. And in all of his books, he always has, like, a really clear distinction between good and bad kids, good and bad adults, good and bad animals. Like, I feel like the most morally neutral character in any of his books is, like, Mr. Fox from Fantastic Mr. Fox. Mm -hmm. But even he is, like, he's not even really that neutral. It's usually pretty clear it's like these are the good people these are the bad people there's kind of a neutral category with like i'm gonna call them stupid adults like they're not evil but they're just dumb okay and those come up all over the place in kids books i've never really been a fan of that but that's kind of beside the point like mr poe i feel like mr poe is not that extreme of an example i mean in the show well, the sh yeah, series of unfortunate events has a ton of dumb adults in it. Yeah. Like, every time anyone doesn't see Count Olaf's disguise, it's, like, playing mm -hmm. hard into that trope. Mm -hmm. But I feel like Mr. Poe in the books is less of a dumb adult than they make him in the show. Mm -hmm. I feel like that that's, like, the biggest thing that labels something as, like, kids' entertainment is if there's, like, insanely stupid adult characters. Mm -hmm. I mean, with Roald Dahl books specifically... It's usually pretty clear there's never, like, surprise bad guys in any of his books or surprise good guys, anything like that. But it's also not, like, any one type of person or type of animal is good. Like, across all of his books, there are, like, good and bad rich people, good and bad kids, good and bad parental figures, good and bad otherwise adult authority figures. In the BFG, there's good and bad giants and with all his animals, like, when you meet a certain type of animal, you don't know that it's good or bad because of what kind of animal it is, which, like, mm -hmm. I feel like that's somewhat significant. Like, there's always, like, the classic thing where, like, the snake is the bad guy. Well, not in Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, not in Kung Fu Panda. It's not universal, but it's common. Like, snakes and the devil are, like, symbolic of each other. That kind of gets ingrained in a lot of stories. Did you have anything to add with that? I know you're not quite as familiar with Roald Dahl books, but I never... you can bring up other kids' books if you want, whatever. Nah, I just never understood for this movie and book what his thing with, was with questions. Like, I don't understand the message that this trying to send. Is it just him being weird? Like, you really what, shouldn't... What questions? You really shouldn't mumble when you talk. Oh, I'm a bit... I'm a tad deaf in this left ear you'll have to speak up next time or like i think i think that's just him being sarcastic i didn't get that as a kid ever and then rereading i was like oh i think he's just evading questions oh. by doing that he's like like mike tv's like making some pretty valid points he's like why why do you walk if you don't have to he's like mm, uh you really should speak louder mm -hmm. like i love the room with the squares that look round. <laughs> that took me so long to figure out what that was, reading it as a kid. Um, I don't know how long it was, but I didn't get that scene for so long. Uh, I appreciate good puns. It is a pretty good pun. Um, th there's, a, there's a lot of those in this book with, like, the rooms that they run past. Mm -hmm. All types of beans, like... Chili beans, jumping has beans. beans. <laughs> What's a has bean? You're one yourself. <laughs> like, those, yeah, those are pretty fun. Mm. Um, there's more of those in the sequel too. 
um i can't think of any right now but they there's definitely more like candy punning that he goes into mm-hmm. there's like chocolate milk cows and stuff i think mm-hmm. there's not like scenes with them but i think they run past a room with it or something we kind of talked about this already but do you think willy wonka is deliberately tempting all the kids i'm kind of talking more from the book but we can tie in book and movie with this even if he's not trying to like get them to fall into his traps or whatever do you think each room is kind of specifically targeting one kid at a time with like its temptation. Not in the book, not in the book because Veruca had been wanting things all throughout. Just an example. I've been wanting things all throughout the, the book. And then she finally got to the school room was like, okay, I've had enough. I don't think he had planned for that or in the book. I don't think he planned for that. Like, why would he know when she would snap? Why would he know anything about the, the kid that he just met? Well, I would have agreed with you before rereading this, but I was kind of like going through it like in my head one by one. And I think there's not like textual proof of it. Right. So like... But for the others, I was thinking about them just now. Like maybe because gum for the gum right. chewing. Yeah, especially uh, that. Because, like, that's a new thing that he he presents specifically. He probably read the papers and knows Violet Beauregard's into gum and presents her with, like, the best stick of chewing gum ever. Right. So, he doesn't he must d- have deliberately taken give it to her, but she takes it. He knew she would take it. And then the room where you can eat everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the, the TV room. But Mike didn't choose the TV room in the movie, in the book. Right. Um, yeah. So, but even in the book, though, you know, in the in the movie, of course, it's it seems very specifically targeted. But in the book, he asks I believe he asks about it. But more more specifically, I'm going to double check this in the book right now. But I believe Willy Wonka introduces that room as his latest and greatest invention. He's maybe had a little bit of time in between when he found out about Mike TV getting it, understanding his addiction, mm-hmm. and then he's like, I have an idea. Maybe I've had this on the back burner for a little bit. Let's move it to the front. And then he makes television chocolate, thinking that, you know, maybe it'll come up if we want to, like, test what Mike TV's made of. Mm-hmm. That may be a stretch. I might be really grasping for it. But there's a little bit of evidence in the book that he's doing that i think you're right that like veruca salt kind of anything could could have tempted her she was like wanting everything in sight mm-hmm. um it, it gets a little like caricaturish with her and, and it, same with augustus gloop like i think showing the chocolate room to them almost feels obligatory <laughs> like just from his perspective right like that's kind of like the the big crowning achievement of the whole factory mm-hmm. it's not like he was gonna skip that room and also like he doesn't have to specifically target augustus gloop the entire, augustus Gloop's entire thing is, yeah dedicated to food so yeah although it is it does feel like a little maybe not targeted but like you know all of the kids deaths or not deaths you know downfalls <laughs> no you said it right the first time <laughs> <laughs> well in some in, in the movie version yeah but like they're all very ironic it's like violet beauregard succumbs to 
chewing gum. Mm-hmm. Augustus Gloop, the kid who eats everything, gets into a room that, where he can eat everything, and, like, that's his downfall. Mike TV, of course, pretty ironic. Like, he loves TV, gets tempted with being inside of one, which is a weird thing to want to do, but sure. Yes. And that's his downfall. And I never felt like Veruca Salt was ironic but then i was thinking like maybe it's supposed to be because like the way she gets her ticket is that her father um runs a peanut factory he has all the ladies shelling nuts and then he has them that that's the language he uses mm-hmm. he says i have them shelling nuts now i have them shelling these chocolate bars just like the squirrels it was not it's not the most obvious like should have been cracking eggs Right. Well, maybe. Um, all these hundreds of workers cracking eggs every day. Uh, I don't know why, but I, 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 I get paid for it and make billions. Hey, I, I always prefer to have my eggs hatched, so I, I'd be down for it. Um, really? I prefer my scrambled. Yeah, no, when, whenever, whenever I'm asked, my eggs have to be hatched. <laughs> you imagine being at a, a diner? Like, okay, how do you want your eggs? Hatched. Yes, I want to. I've never gotten the like actual opportunity to do it, but I want to someday. Oh my god! (laughs) And just see the reaction. I always go for omelets, actually, though. But yeah, like with the with the squirrels, like I think maybe it's supposed to be a parallel with like because in that one too, with with Veruca Salt, it's punishing the parents with her. No, it's because they they got trash personalities. I mean that too, but that's the only one of any of the kids whose parents are also kind of grouped in with the punishment. Yes, and that you know they're very specific about that. They're like, "Oh, this isn't her fault. It's really her parents' fault." But they're all spoiled, and yeah, right. But they make much more of a point of it with her. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, from my own sort of head canon or just reading of it. I don't think Book Willy Wonka is sadistic. I think he's just into it. I think maybe he he might have been trying to tempt each kid specifically. Maybe. But there's more evidence against that than for it. Movie Willy Wonka absolutely, like, is exulting in watching these kids get their, like, uh, sorry for this pun, but uh, just desserts. He's into that. I had to. It was a very low-hanging fruit. Does candy count as dessert? You gotta ask yourself yeah. that, Evan. Hmm? Hmm? He goes in for everything. It's all fair game. Uh, that's kind of all I have on this. So, did you have anything else on, like, the message of it? Nope. I'm gonna be interested to see the differences for yep. the remake. Any other thoughts on anything from this movie? Nope. Any of the memes? Uh, Any of the Gene Wilderness? This movie was a Gene Wilder ride that you would have expected. Fair enough. Yeah. It was a stretch. Um, Like Mike TV. I've heard worse. Yeah. We are are in a a world where our character's name's literally Mike TV, so... Veruca. What the heck is a Veruca? believe it's kind of wart on your foot but i must be wrong mustn't i that's a quote from the book yes i know wasn't sure if you'd pick up on that no i got it yeah um props 
if we're done there, our next episode obviously is going to be on the remake with Johnny Depp, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yes. Uh, both of these are also currently on HBO Max if you want to watch them. I think that's the only streaming service they're available on. So we're going to continue the conversation with the next one. Again, I have not seen the remake yet, so that will be interesting. Do we want to say that we're like some of the other upcoming episodes we were talking about just before this or yeah yeah so other ones salivating other stuff that's going to be coming up we are going to do an episode on the snyder cut when it comes out justice league the snyder cut we're also planning to do the godzilla versus kong movie that's going to come out i believe end of march so those are both coming up and mortal kombat oh and mortal kombat right mid-april yeah, which I know exactly zero about, but yes. I think you make up for my lack of knowledge in that We're, category. We'll be, we'll be bringing a guest on for each of those as well. Yes. Um, he, You've heard him on the channel. Uh, is it called the channel? On, you've sure. heard him on the channel before. He voiced Seismic, uh, my homie Hassan. will be on for that because he's uh, enthusiastic about all three of those things. So he'll be a guest on those. Yep. So, I mean, we'll have other episodes before that, but those are coming up and, you know, big releases. So thought we'd announce them. Other announcements. We have merchandise on Zazzle. I'll put a link in the show notes, but you can get sweatshirts, stickers, t-shirts, mugs, notebooks, whatever with our logo. They have like tons of stuff you can get. Some things that I don't know if I would particularly recommend getting with our logo on them. I found a pair of leggings you can put with our logo it looks really weird but they have basically anything you'd want if you want something like that with our logo on it we can hook you up just let us know so i can make the product i want a bachelor of science degree with the logo on it can i get that from the website i think we might have to start a university before (laughs) that (laughs) i mean you know, I got plans for this <laughs> podcast, but I was not thinking that big. Um, I mean, if you really want it, I don't know. I don't know if they could do that, but maybe um, if that's what you're Junior into. Analysis University. Yeah, if you if you listen to all of our first two seasons and watch all our YouTube videos, you have graduated. You have mm-hmm. a bachelor's degree in interior analysis. We have our Patreon. Come support us on there. There's bonus content. Our logo is by Kelsey Hendry. We have our YouTube channel with a video on A Quiet Place. I've also started putting the podcast episodes up on the YouTube channel. Um, So far, I just have Nightcrawler up there, but we're going to put all of them up there. I don't know if that's what anyone would be interested in, because if you're listening to this, you're not listening to it on YouTube. You have other ways you want to get podcasts, but... If you're into that, they're going to be on there. I mean, one thing you can do there, you can comment on YouTube videos, which you can't really with podcasts. So that's mm-hmm. kind of one thing. But yeah, we're going to we're gonna get all those up there eventually. Rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at INTAnalysis18. You can follow me on Twitter at Davos Watson. And where are you at? I'm on Twitter at Jelani T. Kelly, uh, based Phoenix on Instagram, and I have, I just started streaming again, Monday through Thursday, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Anything from writing to gaming, right now it's just writing because it's the easiest thing to do. But come watch my thought process on any of the stuff I'm writing. Like the novel I wrote, go buy that.
right. novels, I think, right? I well, mean, only yeah, one the second ones, I have, but... I have, I have an editor for the second one. So the second one is on the way now. I mean, I had it done. I was just waiting on somebody else to look at it. So that is on the way now. Uh, I have to have the art done for it as well, but look forward to that too. That'll definitely be done by the end of this year. It'd be nice if I could get it done by the time, by like April, when the first book came out last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool have a yearly cycle with it it would be Mm -hmm. nice yep uh that's it all right so we will see you next time then yes eat plenty of chocolate eat plenty of chocolate well Uh, sure (laughs) uh be modest (laughs) yeah don't do whatever willy wonka would kill you over i guess yeah (laughs) that's the message don't message don't die that's the message don't die don't die (laughs) all right bye (laughs)